Hello everyone, welcome back to the main event. Only two more to go, Aaron. We're deep into the group previews now. Got the hang of it at long last. Uh, to everyone that's uh, joined us for the previous shows, thank you so much. We hope everyone is following us at UCL Fantasy Pod on Twitter and at the main event Champions League Fantasy Podcast on YouTube and Spotify. That's where you can catch us. Feel free to follow us, send us a message, anything you like. Tell us we're really bad at podcasts. We can take it well. Aaron, I've got a, a fun group here with regards to big hitters, Messi versus Ronaldo, and some potential whipping boys. So that's our job to work through today. Starting with Mr. Lionel Messi and Barcelona. So Barcelona have had a fairly decent start of the season. They've went through a transitional period in terms of some transfers. So they've got rid of Suarez, Artur, Rakitic, Semedo, Vidal, and they brought in Pjanic, Trincao, who's a right winger, Serginho Dest, right back, and Coutinho's back from loan. So it seems to be very like for like, although the, I don't think they found a replacement for Suarez. So we'll see how that works out for them. Um, they've started the season well, like I said. They've won three of their opening four games and drew the most recent one 1-1. But that was with Sevilla, another Champions League team. So at least that was, you know, relative opponent. And that's something that we should look at. But there was a little caveat in there as well. So with a 1-0 win, a 4-0 win, and a 3-0 win for the first three games, it was really smooth sailing. First things first, lots of people might have noticed Neto has started the first four games in goal. The issue here is, is that Chestegan is injured. So that's why he's not been playing. It's not necessarily that Neto is first choice. I believe Chestegan will be back in training before the first Champions League game. Whether they be deemed fit is a different thing entirely. And I think they've got Ferran Cavaros first, I think. So that might not, he might not be risk, which is something that we've mentioned in the previous podcast, looking at a low-priced goalkeeper because Neto might actually be a good choice for the first game. See how everyone does, see how everyone's playing. And then maybe that could be one of your transfers for game week two with your two free transfers. Once you've got a game's worth of Champions League data from the other teams, or maybe someone has a favourable fixture, you could then just quickly get that rotation in and then just leave that goalkeeper as a bit of a set and forget. Just I think Neto's got a great fixture and he he could start, but in terms of having him having him in long term, I wouldn't recommend it because I imagine Tristegan will be back and he's, in my opinion, top three goalkeepers in the world with Allison and Oblak. Uh Despite the signing of Serginho Dest, Roberto has played the first four games of the season. I pre uh, appreciate Dest hadn't actually been there for the first few, but Roberto still held that spot. He's also got a goal in those four, uh, first four games. Barcelona seem pretty set at the back. It's Roberto, Piquet, Longley and Alba. The 1-1 one -one draw with Sevilla. Uh, Longley had been sent off in the previous game, I believe, so he didn't play. Uh, Araujo started that game who's came from Barcelona's academy. So he looks maybe like he could be the first choice backup centre-back, but Umtiti is injured. He's lacking fitness, so it might just be because of that. 
The big news is Jordi Alba, so in his first four starts, has three assists and is now injured. He got injured, picked up a muscle injury on October the 5th, and we don't know how long he's out for. So as a premium defender, I would avoid and keep an eye on him. Once he's back in, if he keeps up this form, then he's a real option in a team that's kept three clean sheets out of four games. The one time they have conceded was because they played a youth system centre-back and then he's got three assists. It's a bit of a no-brainer. De Jong and Busquets have played holding midfield in every game, whether that's been the 4-3-3 formation that they played in two games or the 4-2-3-1 that they played in two games. Beyond that, they've messed around with the forwards in their positioning. Starting-wise, it's always been the same four. It's Coutinho, Messi, Griezmann and Fatty. But it, it looks like the manager hasn't grasped what the best formation to play them in is. So in the first game, he had Griezmann up top with Messi and Fatty either side. Griezmann got the only goal of the game. Then he had Messi uh, up front in the second game who scored a penalty and got an assist. Fatty out wide got two goals and an assist. And Coutinho out wide got an assist. Griezmann playing just off Messi didn't get anything. Then in the following game, uh, Messi again played up front, got two assists, but no goal, which when you're paying 12 million, you want goals. Fatty did get another goal, playing out wide, as did uh, Coutinho got an assist. And then in the 1-1 draw with Sevilla, which is probably the most sort of representable of, of Champions League games, Coutinho got the goal. Uh in T actually played in a midfield three with Busquets and De Jong. So it's hard to predict where they're going to play and where they play seems to matter. Uh, what I'm sort of leaning towards at the minute is an Ansu Fati for 8 million because out of those first four games, he has the most returns with three goals and one assist. Uh, Coutinho has one goal, two assists. Messi has one goal, three assists. Griezmann has a goal if you're looking at it that sort of thing I think I've got Messi in my team at the minute 12 million he might come out for Ronaldo I want to see what you say about Juventus um, to be honest but I'll probably keep him in for the first fixture maybe sort of rotate Messi and Ronaldo for when they play this team but Fatty seems really good at 8 million Alaba uh, Alba sorry as we said Six million premium injured, stay away for now. And our uh, a is probably a trap at four million. I wouldn't go for him. It was just a case of Longley got sent off. Lots of people do like going for De Jong, usually really highly picked in the game. For me, just sits in the middle of nowhere. Like statistic, like he's a fantastic player, but statistically. Is he a better option than five and a half million Jorginho who takes penalties, for example? He's a better player than Jorginho, but is he a better fantasy asset? And we've picked up on quite a few players around that mark. Do I trust De Jong to get an attack in return or a wealth of uh, interception points, particularly against some of these teams? Um, or would I prefer to spend my money elsewhere? Gio Reyna, six and a half million. So I probably I'd probably avoid those midfielders just out of you know there being better options elsewhere really. Mm-hmm. No, I'm I'm very interested in getting Ansu Fati as well. 
I think he'll be really good for, well, you might provide really good value depending on if he plays or not. And so it'll be He's a midfielder on the game. He's a midfielder, which is a good thing. And he's in form and he looked good for Spain the other day. So Yeah. Uh, yeah, what he talent. looks really good. Um, so on uh, Dynamo Kiev, they have played nine games so far, competitive, well, nine competitive games, currently unbeaten so far. So well done to them, including going through the Champions League qualification. They beat uh, Ghent. Um, I think that's how you pronounce it. And they seem to be really well organized, quite solid defense. They've not conceded more than two goals and they've actually kept, uh, just at a quick glance, 50% clean sheets. So they've either conceded one or zero. So it seemed to be quite solid and seemed to be well like organized at home. So there might be, especially for a team like Juventus, if they're not firing on all cylinders, could be a difficult team to break down. It won't I don't think it'll be like a whipping boy performance. But I can't I don't see them winning, if that makes sense. Um it'll be kind of like a one nil or a two nil, two one type of performance. So yeah, some in terms of some players for them, um again, it's kind of similar to what we were talking about with Zenit in the previous podcast, where you're not really going to go for any of these players because the starting players are all rated around the same price as premium teams, really. So their start, their most expensive player is 7.5, a midfielder, and there's so many other players around that price point that you could go to. And if you're not getting the best player from this team, I don't know why you would invest much in it. Like, why would you go for like the third choice midfielder to try and save a million? Like, they're not going to be a team that's going to do well in four of these games, um, like four of the group stage games. They might do well against Ferran Varakos or whatever they're called. <laughs> whatever they're called. Uh, they might do well against them, but. Do you really want to be spending six million, six like seven million on a player that's only going to potentially be good two games out of six? Yeah. So that's my viewpoint. Yeah, the the, the team the player, sorry, that I sort of picked up on. See Rotter is a four million pound defender, but he seems to have played the league games, not the Champions League qualifiers. So again, potential trap. Uh Rodriguez is a four and a half million pound defender. I mean He's he's taken a penalty. That's all I can see. <laughs> but the standout player is their six and a half million pound forward, uh, Supriya. He has in the last four games two goals and two assists. Uh, he got a goal in the first leg of the Champions League qualifier, and he got an assist in the second leg. So 
if you're looking for a really, really affordable striker that starts so that you can, again, strengthen the rest of your team, but you don't want to go super low or take a risk, this player isn't a risk. He's played the last four games, irrespective of rotation or, or whatever else. And he's returned in every game. It's just, you know, playing against Juventus and, and Barcelona. How likely is that to happen there? But you'll get your two points if that's what you're after. Mm-hmm. And he might, and if someone's going to do something, it looks like it will be him. The only thing, like, like I said earlier, is that Rodriguez has taken a penalty and De Pena has taken a penalty and uh, Shaparenko has taken a penalty. So they've had three penalties in the last four games. They've had three different takers. Uh, oh, sorry, they've had four penalties. Verbich has t- uh, took a penalty and missed one. So they don't have a set penalty taker. I don't know if it's who wins it takes it. They're getting but ready they... to penalty shootouts, aren't they? They're being a bit optimistic. Yeah. <laughs> Planning. Um, <laughs> yeah, Verbich isn't on any then. So I, I don't really know who would... I don't know if they're just on, on rotation. Is it whoever wins it gets it? I'm not too sure. Surprise is the only one that would even remotely interest me, but I'd rather have three better forwards. So I probably won't be going for for any of them. But it, it, again, it's just people's formation, how they want to play the game, what they're looking for. Six and a half million as a forward. I personally would rather like spend four and a half million on a defender and then stick the extra two on a forward, something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, to go to go up to a, a Gomez or a, a Zuba or someone like that around eight eight and a half. No, that's, um, that's exactly what I was thinking. On to Frank Avaros. Uh they've sorted the season all right. They've done all right. The second in their league with a game in hand, though. I'm just gonna just speak off the last results, starting with the oldest first. So they've got a one-one draw. They've then won 2 0, 2 1, 2 1, 5 0, 2 1, 6 1. Picked up a couple of draws, 3 3, 0 0, and won uh, the most recent game 2 1. But most importantly, out of those fixtures, we're looking at four. Uh, so for this team, I've not picked the last four fixtures to get my data from. I've looked at the four Champions League games to get my data from. Uh, so first of all, they've got a 2 1 win. Uh, then they got another 2-1 win and then they drew both games to qualify 3-3 and 0-0, but they went through on away goals. Looking at their team, uh, we've got... I don't really want to go through all of their team because it's pretty pointless. Uh, Carriton's the penalty taker. That's one thing that I saw. Uzzini scored a couple of goals out of those four games. And then sort of looking through, Blazic has played all the games, so he's four and a half million as a defender. Like, okay. Um, and Botka. So Botka has got two assists uh, out of those games, and he's also four and a half million. I think you've got to be an absolute nut job to try and go for a defensive player from this team, irrespective of the price. The only thing that they've really got going for them is that they will be playing with a lot of confidence because they haven't lost any games yet this season out of all those that are, are reeled off. 
they don't have too much of a talisman. Like I said, Uzini with a couple of goals. And Gwen's got a goal and an assist. But beyond that, there's not much to look at for them. It's I think for some of the lower teams who have managed to find a couple of gems, this isn't really one of them. If I'm being honest, like Carrington was is overpriced for what he is. Like, are they going to get a penalty? I doubt it against the teams that they're playing. And there's, there's not really anyone that sort of really stands out at me. They do play Uzini and Nguyen a lot. Uh, so if you were looking for a player that plays in an attacking position, you could go for those. Uh, Somalia plays every game. Carrotin plays every game, who, like I said, is the penalty, take, uh, penalty kick taker. Other than that, there's n- not much to say. Debouche looks like their starting goalkeeper. Uh, if you want to go with him, I don't know why. I don't know why you'd want to go with him. I think doing my research on this team, I was just being polite. Looking through, I was like, <laughs> well, we'll try and get these. They're not the worst team. Of all the teams that were researched, these are... I don't think these are the worst. I think in our next podcast, we've got the Whipping Boys. Um, these aren't the worst team to highlight, but like I say, the, the, for their league, they look great. They're absolutely bossing it. Plenty of clean sheets, no defeats. Looks like they can score a couple of goals. Translating that to Juventus and Barcelona. Uh, I, I wouldn't bet on it. Yeah, the have it. They play Barcelona first, and it would be interesting to see how many Barcelona players people have just for that first week. I think that's going to be a very interesting group. I've got two because ultimately we need to be able to. We can only have two transfers. I can't just jump on everyone with a good fixture. There's got to be some sort of longevity to it. Yeah. At the minute, I have um, Messi and Fatty and my team mm-hmm. taking up twenty million of my budget. A pair of them, ridiculous. Honestly, I think you made a money. <laughs> anyway, so Juventus quite interesting because they have only played two competitive games, so the least amount of everyone. Plus, because they have been active in the transfer market, have had very different teams. And Perlo is new to management. Yeah, he hasn't, he's not settled on a system yet. So I'm not going to be able to reliably tell you at this stage what he's going to exactly do against Dynamo Kiev, knowing that he plays Barcelona a week later. I think the only like the only silver lining is that the league games in between the group stages are very winnable. And they're the kind of, they're the two new promoted teams up front into the division. So Juventus won't have to try that hard in my opinion to, to win them games. Um, I think some traps are in, definitely in Juventus. Chiellini, yeah. 5.5 do not Joe. do not go for him he was injured for like 80% of last year and plus even when he does play he doesn't score enough to warrant 5.5 Chesney 
5.5. I think Buffon at 4.5 is quite interesting because he's going for all sort of appearance records. So could be worth trying to see how much if he's at um if he's getting close to any sort of Champions League record. I doubt it though because Casillas is is quite ahead of him. One of the defenders I was quite interested in is Delict, five million, and he, he's quite a goal scoring centre back. So he's someone who maybe consider looking at the defence in this team. Injured until November. So don't go for Delict. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mid-November, Delict. He's been injured since August. He didn't start either of the previous two games. Although Bonucci's scored already. Yeah, Bonucci scored. He's the one of the defenders. Danilo's all right. He's got an assist. But Bonucci's the one. If you're going to go for a defender... I would say Alexandro more so. Yeah. Is Alexandro's fit, I believe? I would play him. uh, Alexandro did his hammy in. So he's... uh, He did his hamstring in towards the end of September. So he is not playing. He he hasn't played any of the games either. We've got... uh, Oh, yes, 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 yes. So Codrado... Um, surprisingly, I would have thought he would have... He played as a right-back all of last year. So it baffles me that he didn't get placed as a as a defender. Yes, we know his natural position is a right, right-winger, but he's played as a right-back all of last year. I wonder how long it takes for Ashley Young and stuff to be put from a winger to a full-back. And anyways, the, some of the positions are, are, are way off. It's quite hard. Yeah, Kimmich, Gomez, mm-hmm. it's quite a few. Some, they have signed a few midfielders. They've got Artur from Barcelona. They got Weston McKinney for the American fans. He's played the first two games. Um, you've got, however, Bentan Kua. He is one of their most solid players. Rabio was red carded in the last game. He seems to be coming into his own. But one of the new signings that I wanted to bring up, and I excuse the pronunciation, Kulazevsky. Kulazevsky. He played as a striker in the first game, ahead yeah. of Dybala and Morata. I don't think they had Morata then. But he played as a striker and then he played as a right winger. So he seems to be someone who has Perlo's trust already. And he seemed to be quite good on the ball. And what's interesting as well is that they have two other right wingers, which is why it surprised me that he was playing instantly. So you've got Bernadeschi, who kind of a squad player for Juventus. And injured. Yeah, the, Juventus, when I was looking <laughs> They're at... all injured, Aaron. Yeah, I know. When I was looking at... I wasn't saying get Benedeschi, by the way. I was saying that he's a squad player. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, it, one thing that baffles me about this team, though, Ramsey being the most expensive midfielder. Yeah, don't. <laughs> Just don't. <laughs> Just don't um, do it. I think we all know well enough. Yeah, but one of the... That. One of the players that I think I'm quite impressed that they got him was Chiesa. He used yeah. to play for Florentina. 
Uh, he is a very good right winger. Man United were interested in signing him. But then again, who are they not interested in signing? Um, so Chiesa, I, he was signed on the deadline day, straight going into an international break. So it would be interesting to see if he plays the league game before the Champions League. If not, Kulisevsky is someone who you'd probably go for. And Dybala didn't hasn't played yet this season, probably injured as well. He's I haven't seen him injured. He might have been injured, but he's not injured at the he was minute. On, he got substituted on during Roma. Yeah. And it just surprised me that he wasn't because he was their best player last year by a mile. Um, but he wasn't on the bench against Sampdoria. Better than Ronaldo, would you say? Like last was Ronaldo year, not No, no, last year. Um Last year, Dybala was their better player because Ronaldo scored a lot of his goals from penalties and he it took a while for him to get going. Dybala kind of dragged them after, like up to Christmas and then Ronaldo took over. Ronaldo's famously a slow starter as well to the season and he gets going and gets into his ridiculous form kind of November to February. So, Ronaldo's uh, slow start the season so far has been three goals, pathetic three goals and one assist in two games. Yeah, so you cut you cut ahead of me, but his <laughs> um, <laughs> his like his slow start this year it, it's it's one of his best starts to the season for Juventus already. Um, he's only been there for three years, but. He he already looks fit. He was raring to go for the Nations League, hoping to beat that record. And now that he's in a group with Messi, Ronaldo's 12 million, and he's going to be very, very motivated, especially against these two teams. Knowing that he's facing the same group teams that Messi's facing, that competition is alive and well. I cannot wait. Stop it. I cannot so, wait. So um, I'm probably going to get like loads of comments going like, how dare he say Dybala was better? Look, we're not experts. <laughs> we're, we're just having a laugh yes, here. But um, Ronaldo definitely carried the team further, especially when it came to important matches. But Dybala played such an underrated role last year that I think he was the most important player for them last year. And it would just be interesting to see how this team gels, to be honest. The fact that they've got Dynamo Kiev and I, and it's away in Dynamo Kiev as well, I can only see Juventus winning by maybe one goal. Yeah. And so I, I wouldn't rush on getting this team in anyways. Probably just Ronaldo for the penalty upside. Don't get don't rush to get Morata or Dybala in just yet, in my opinion. Cue them scoring hat-tricks. And, yeah, a very injured team for a squad that already had the least amount of players out of any squad. Yeah. I think for me, I already feel like I know I'm having Messi for the first game, and then I know I'm having Ronaldo for the second. And then we'll see how they do. But if they're playing each other third game, 
I thought they Who played each other the second game. To they played each other the second the game. Pardon, they played each other in the second game, are they? Okay, that might change things then. I haven't properly looked at the fixtures yet, to be honest. That'll come once I've got my pool of players. But, okay, that might change things a little bit. But if you had to choose Barcelona versus Juventus, Ronaldo versus Messi, like in one, in the, over the, that second game, who do you reckon it outscore who? I think Messi still Barcelona play a better style. I think they're a better team. Whilst Ronaldo has to carry, mind you, Messi has to carry Barcelona as well, but Ronaldo has to carry Juventus more because it's a defensive team that kind of just lets Ronaldo do what he wants while Barcelona now under Koeman are looking to get Messi out. So they're starting to play Fatty more. They're starting to play Griezmann, Coutinho. But Messi, I still think, would outscore them because he has better options up front with them. Because even though the two partners are out of form, I would still rather play with Griezmann than Morata. Yeah. I think I'll probably keep Messi then for that game anyway. So then I can use my transfers elsewhere and then I can get... Ronaldo yeah. in for that third game. So he does. Obviously, injuries could happen, but COVID could happen. So many things could happen. It's a uh, nice stretch of games that he has. So game week three, four, and five, he plays Ferna. <laughs> Get it out. You can do it. He plays that team. Ferencavaros. Ferencavaros. I'm only presuming that's how it's pronounced myself. I could be horrifically wrong it's just the scene and the view together that throws me off one of them has to be silent anyways it has to be <laughs> uh, he plays them twice and he plays Dynamo Kiev in match day five and then he could be arrested for match day six depending on how they go yeah so but that's a nice stretch three games where he's a captainable player Aaron Group predictions, top to bottom, fire away. Barcelona first. Yep. Ju- Juventus second. Yep. Dynamo Kiev third. And the rest of the team's fourth. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm in complete agreeance. Uh, com- like, totally. I think that um, Barcelona's upside against teams like Dynamo Kiev will be the thing. I think that's going to be the big difference more than anything else. Like you say, Juventus' style of play. But I just think against Barcelona, it could go one of two ways. It could be, I think Barcelona could give Juventus a a good hiding, to be honest. But at the same time, with Ronaldo on the team and with the prospect of playing one of Europe's elite, you never bet against an Italian team to just for once in their lives <laughs> over the well once over the last couple of years since they've all decided to go mental attacking wise and not bother defending to actually just go back to their roots shut up shop play a low block and allow the talent and mainly the drive of Ronaldo to just do his thing to maybe play a bit more like a bit like Portugal did against Spain at the World Cup where they sort of went into the game with 
no inferiority complex, but an appreciation that of the two teams, they weren't the favourites. They just had to do things that Spain weren't good at and allow Ronaldo to prove that he's the best player in the world. So I think if Juventus can wrap the head around that, then they can pull off a result against Barcelona. No, that being said, it's, it's, hard, it's, it's hard to sort of gauge some of this. So I think the easiest thing to do, because a good draw, is to say who's going to have an easier time in Moscow. We'll have Moscow come to their stadium. I think I think Barcelona will probably have an easier time of, of those sorts of fixtures. Yeah. But that's uh, that's the penultimate group preview finished. We're done for that one. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we really do appreciate it. Uh, we will be back with the final final podcast of this group preview. Once we are done with that one, we will be inviting a couple of friends on uh, for a podcast, probably just before the sort of the deadline uh, shuts, so that we can talk through our teams, who we've actually decided to go with, maybe a game plan if you know what to do. Do decide to go with one? Who knows? Might just wing it. Uh, so please look forward to that. But uh, for tonight, thank you very much uh, and take care. Bye now.